Welcome to Homilies Plus. I'm Deacon Adam Conk, and each week I'll share with you one of my homilies, plus a great unscripted conversation further exploring the scriptures with guests from around the world. Whether you are a devoted Catholic or exploring your faith, join us for an encounter with God's Word through the Holy Scriptures. This week, you'll hear my homily on the urgency of prayer from the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time, Year B. The first reading is from the book of Job, chapter 7, in which Job, in his suffering, asks if life is just a drudgery. The second reading was from the ninth chapter of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. All this I do for the sake of the gospel. And the gospel reading is a continuation of the Holy Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39, in which our very busy Lord takes time early in the morning to pray. After the homily, we will be joined by Brother Bernard of the Community of Jesus Crucified. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place and prayed. Today, as we gather for this fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time, in our continuation from the Holy Gospel according to Mark, we're still in the very first chapter, the beginning of our Lord's public ministry. And we see our Lord doing very extraordinary things. He heals Peter's mother-in-law from a life-threatening fever. And in the evening, after the sun goes down, the whole town that he was in had gathered at the door seeking his healing and his power in their life. And while you and I might not relate to doing such extraordinary things with our time, we can relate to the type of day our Lord had. He was very busy. The work our Father gave him to do was a busy work. After a long day of preaching and healing, after the sunset, there was even more to do, more needs, more tasks before him. Our Lord can very much relate to most of us who are very busy about the work that the Lord has given us to do. Very early the next day, after this very busy day, our Lord arises before the sun and goes off by himself and praise. Our Lord can relate to our busyness, but He also gives us a model, a model on how to live our Christian life that can be very busy, to rise early before people can find us who need us and pray. Our Lord Himself had to make time for this prayer because it was in this time with His Father that his own identity was strengthened. That he was able to rest and understand who he was. He was not just someone who performs many miracles or tasks, but he is a beloved son of God, his father, who loves him and provides for him. And that the work he is doing is not meaningless, but has deep meaning because of the father who sent him to do it. This is the same reason you and I need to pray daily. In our long tradition of Christian prayer, modeled after the prayer of Christ, we find that there are essentially three types of prayer. Vocal prayer, in which 
Words express the thoughts of our hearts. Meditation in which we take the Word of God and treasure it in our hearts, pondering its meaning and its application in our life. And contemplation. Contemplation in which we rest in the loving presence of God who loves us. Archbishop Fulton Sheen was fond of saying that in vocal prayer, we go to God on foot. In meditation, we go to God on horseback. But in contemplation, we go to God in a jet. And this is because contemplation is really the end of all Christian work. Why are we here this morning? Why are we here seeking the presence of our Lord in the Eucharist and receiving Him in Holy Communion? What's the purpose of it all? Union with God who loves us. This gives meaning to what we do. And when we lack an understanding or appreciation or a rootedness in God's love for us, which is why we're here, and that the purpose of it all is union with Him who created us, then things become simply tasks on a to-do list. And this is the necessity for you and I to find the time, make the time, for contemplative prayer. It's not an option. It's not an extra thing that really elite Catholics do or nuns and brothers do in a monastery. It's essential for you to live your vocation as a Christian. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says the choice of the time and duration of contemplative prayer arises from a determined will revealing the secrets of the heart. One does not undertake contemplative prayer only when one has the time. One makes the time for the Lord with the firm determination not to give up no matter what trials and dryness one may encounter. Our first reading was from the book of Job book of an account of a life of a man that experienced literally every trial and suffering that life may have. His spouse died. His children died. He lost wealth and livelihood. He suffered every physical disease you can imagine. Job experienced it all. And in the midst of that suffering and trials, we see in our first reading, Job asked this question, is not man's life on earth a drudgery? In other words, is this all there is? Job felt the weight of the difficulty of life, a weight that you and I can relate to. We might not suffer in the extreme ways that Job did, but it's hard to live life on this earth. That's why we call it a valley of tears. We were cast out of paradise, and life is hard. But is that all life is? Is it only hard? At the end of the book of Job, we see that God shows up in Job's life and he has a powerful moment of prayer where God reveals to Job his loving providence for him and for all creation. Job has a contemplative moment. And in that moment, he understands more deeply that God does not play with our life, that when we suffer, there's a reason, there's a purpose. And that reason is the love of God for us, that there's some good that God is bringing about in the midst of our toils and sufferings in this life. That moment of prayer made the difference for Job and gave his life meaning. And just like Job, you and I can ask that question, is this all there is to life? If we aren't praying, 
If we're not regularly praying, rising early in the morning to let God love us in contemplative prayer, then the trials and sufferings we'll experience that day might lose their meaning for us. As Christians, we know that God's love gives meaning not only to our life, but to all of human history. That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that none might perish, but all who believe in Him might find eternal life. This is the good news of the Gospel that makes life worth living. And for Christians, this gives meaning to our days. St. Paul talked about it in our first reading from his first letter to Corinthians. If I preach the Gospel, this is no reason for me to boast, for an obligation has been imposed upon me. Now St. Paul was a bishop with a particular obligation, but every baptized Christian has the obligation to spread the kingdom of God with their life. When you and I were baptized in that holy font, a prayer was placed over our lips that our lips would soon proclaim the gospel. This gives meaning to our lives. But if we are not contemplating this meaning in our life regularly in prayer, then our life might become just like the lives of other people who don't know the Lord. Our day's pursuits might include wealth, power, pleasure, enjoyment, entertainment. And the urgency of building the kingdom of God might become an afterthought that we think about on Sundays. This is the danger of Christians who don't pray. It's not that we become evil people. It's that we forget the reason why we're on this earth, which is to proclaim and spread the kingdom of God. The mediocre Christian is really more dangerous than the militant atheist. St. Paul knew this, and he made all of his life about the kingdom. That's how he concluded today's reading. All this I do for the sake of the gospel. It's only through contemplative prayer where you and I each morning rise early and pray with our Father that we can end the day after sunset saying all this I did today was for the gospel. All of us have that goal and obligation and calling that our work is not only work to build an earthly kingdom, but we work every day to build a heavenly one. Our relationships, our leisure time, it's not only to accomplish worldly pleasures and pursuits, but we build those relationships with each other that last forever in the kingdom. This is what life is about. This is what Christian life is about. But without frequent, regular contemplation, we slip into Christian mediocrity. And so how do we pray? How do we do it? How do we all grow in prayer, particularly contemplative prayer, which is that high calling of every Christian? Well, the first step of praying well is to recognize that it's not our idea, but it's God's idea that we pray. He calls us to prayer. Our Lord rose very early in the morning to pray because His Father called Him to do that. We have the same Heavenly Father as our Lord Jesus. You and I were baptized into Him, adopted as sons and daughters of the same Father. And He calls us to prayer. And so hopefully tonight before you go to bed and you set your alarm and decide what time you're waking up tomorrow, you'll hear the Father calling you to pray. To set your alarm a little earlier. To meet Him in prayer. The first step of prayer is to hear that voice calling you to prayer. That it's not your idea or man's idea, but your Heavenly Father who loves you. 
Let yourself hear his voice and move your heart. The second step is to firmly commit to be a Christian who prays. The world benefits nothing from Christians who don't pray. We have to pray. And so, in response to that call from our Father to prayer, we have to resolve to be like our Lord to pray. It's difficult, it's strange, it's awkward, but we do it. And a firm resolution to pray means that our Lord will guide us in that prayer. And so tomorrow morning, let's wake up early, before dawn, and pray. There's so many resources at our disposal for prayer. A Google search for Catholic prayer, you have so much at your disposal. Just know that not all is created equal for prayer. There's a reason our Lord came. It's because we had to be shown a path to the Father that was pleasing to Him. And so prayer in Christ within the tradition of His church is what Jesus died on the cross to give us. A relationship with God through true Christian prayer is not cheap. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus. And not every path is created equal. And so we pray as Catholic Christians. We pray in the Catholic tradition of prayer because this is the tradition our Lord gave us. But we should be following that path. We should be following the path of prayer. And so as Lent approaches, let's now hear that call from the Lord. One of the three pillars of Lent is prayer. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Our Lord is calling us to deeper prayer this coming Lent. But even now, we can make a commitment to develop the habits that will make Lent successful. That habit of following our Lord and waking up very early and going off to a place by ourselves and praying. Amen. We're joined now by Brother Bernard from the Community of Jesus Crucified. Hello, Brother. How are you? I'm good, Deacon, and you? Great. I'm so grateful for uh, taking the time. You guys are quite busy praying and doing works for the kingdom, so <laughs> I appreciate yes, you giving us your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Well, before we jump in, I'd love to hear about the Community of Jesus Crucified, um, maybe a, a word or two about your own vocation, and what do people do if they have a vocation to religious life? Um, how they get in contact, how they discern that. Yeah, so the community, um, my vocation, I've been here eight years now. Um, and Jan January 24th was the day I first came to the community of uh, 2016. And so um, uh, if anybody's interested in a vocation or thinks they have one, the biggest thing uh, is, uh, I guess the two biggest things are probably what we're about to talk about is prayer, to stay rooted in prayer, but also two-spirit direction. Mm -hmm. um, those are two great uh two great um, means that the church gives us to be able to discern what our vocation is. And then as well, uh, a good contact uh, would be uh, the vocations director of the diocese, whatever diocese you might be in. Um, for us, uh, for the communities crucified, you could check out our website and contact the vocation director or the vocation directress, one of the sisters, um, uh, through the website. They, uh, they, uh, we have contact through the website. Well, and speaking of vocations to the community of Jesus crucified, it seems like there are many discerners um, over the past few years. Like that's a growing movement. What have you seen, you know, as far as vocations in your community? Vocations have definitely um, helped. Well, I say 
the discernment program that we have allows people to come and discern their vocation in a more stable environment that's more conducive to uh, more uh, deeper prayer and uh, listening to God's voice because mm-hmm. the world's kind of noisy. So to um, <laughs> kind of put aside the world and hear what God's trying to say is hard to do. So, uh, but we've had people, a lot of different people come through the discernment program and properly discern whether or not God was calling them to be a religious brother, sister, or priest, or uh, go back to the world and be a holy married layperson. And um, it's been very fruitful, I think, for people to be able to step away um, and take that proper time to uh, give to the Lord, to know exactly what he's asking. Well, in your own vocation, tell us about... uh you know, the state of the religious brotherhood, let's say in the state of Louisiana, how many religious brothers are there? That I couldn't tell you, but uh, <laughs> last time I heard Flesh Champagne, it was close to like maybe 50 or 60. I don't know though. I'm not too sure. Okay. Um, but uh, as a religious brother, um, I of course consecrated through my vows of poverty, chastity, obedience. So my entire self has been given over to God and, um, and whatever the Lord is asking of me, um, through the voice of my superior, I do. And so um, whether it's to um, go to the, our local food, uh, soup kitchen and food pantry, how about there? If it's to uh, go down to the local church and, and uh, help out there, or if it's um, just to stick to the schedule and go to the proper, proper scheduled times for prayer, the divine office, that's where I'll be. Awesome. Well, good. You're a professional prayer, so you're, you're perfect <laughs> for our conversation. Uh, today on prayer and and so brother as you you know heard the readings this past Sunday and pondered them in your heart what what's kind of standing out to you what what do you find interesting what I found interesting um it doesn't necessarily well it probably does unite to prayer but that the Lord once he came off out from the secluded mountain or secluded place with the disciples and they said look everybody's pursuing you the Lord said all right well um not necessarily forget about them, but let's move on to the next town and villages. They need to know as well. And that's what kind of struck me the most is like, he was done praying. Mm. Everybody wanted to be with him. And he's all like, um, nope, we're going to keep moving to people who don't know me. Uh, and that was surprising because if people were seeking out Jesus and wanted to be near him, what are we doing in prayer? But seeking out Jesus and trying to be near him. Um, but he was all like, we got to keep moving. And so, that was almost not necessarily a contradiction, but uh, just something held in tension. The fact that we have to pursue the Lord, but the Lord says, okay, well, not only do you pursue me, but keep going and give me to other people. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, he, so his prayer led him to that conviction that his mission, his father was sending him somewhere else. And that seems to be one of the essential aspects of daily prayer is that, you know, yesterday's mission is not necessarily today's mission, right? Like the father yes. might send us. But it takes that rootedness in prayer, a continual conversation, to actually hear the voice of the Father so you could respond. Absolutely. Yeah. If we're not listening, then we can't hear what the Lord's will is. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of, of your community so much because, I mean, you have a variety of apostolates and each day can be an adventure, right? Um, so you have your superior, obviously, but but also, you know, I guess... How does that work for you in your own prayer? I mean, you have so many different apostolates and challenges, um, so many ways you're going to grow personally, I guess, because you're doing so many different things. Um, what does prayer do for you as far as kind of rooting you in, in uh, the Father's will? Partly is 
being there as a support for my struggle, right? So having so many different apostolates and coming across um, so many different crosses that I might have to bear. Um, prayer is truly a refuge for me to be able to say, okay, God, here I am in my broken state, and this is what I'm struggling with. And you got to give me the grace. Otherwise, one, it won't get done. And two, I just won't make it. So, <laughs> so um, <laughs> I need uh, I need your help. So um, prayer is definitely a form of comfort, uh, support, and, um, and I guess strength for the journey um, and the next step. Because oftentimes coming out of prayer, I don't know the next step, even though I begged him to tell me. And I just have mm-hmm. to make a good decision and hope that he supplies the grace, you know? So, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, I think lay people can relate to what you said, Lord, without you, I'm not going to make it. Um, so inside and outside the monastery, that's, uh, that's a reality. And, uh, so let's say someone, especially as Lent is approaching, they want to increase their prayer life, particularly when it comes to mental prayer, uh, making time for that intimate time with the Lord throughout their days. Um, I know y'all train lay people as part of your apostolate in prayer. What are some places that typically a person should start if they want to deepen their prayer life? Definitely meditation. So you talked about it in your homily was the, uh, the different forms of prayer, the vocal prayer, meditation, contemplation. And I like how you referenced uh, Fulton Sheen, his, um, his uh, vocal prayer is walking to Jesus. Mental prayer is riding a horse and then contemplation as a, as a jet. And, um, Father Champagne talked about talks about how Lent and Advent, but Lent's supposed to be like a runway. That whenever we we're on the plane, we start going, we take off. Uh, we start going really fast to take off, and then once the runway's over, we should be in the air already and on our on our path towards our destination. So the same thing with mm-hmm. Lent. When we start, we start walking. We seek him in vocal prayer, and then and then we pick up speed through meditation. And hopefully by the end of Lent, we're in a mode of meditation where it becomes contemplation and the Lord is acting in us, with us, and we're in the air on our way to Him. And so um, for Lent, daily meditation is absolutely probably necessary. Um, and it doesn't have to be terribly long. I mean, if you're not accustomed to meditation um, or doing Lectio Divina, um, at least like 15 minutes a day, uh, and then increasing it maybe every week, five minutes, that'd be awesome, you know, because uh, we got like six or seven weeks of Lent. Mm-hmm. So, um, and um, and striving to not necessarily gain knowledge as much as wanting to understand what the Lord asks of us. Because, yeah, we can study scripture and gain like understanding of what these words mean and, and what the author was trying to say and, and the theological points, but mostly like the Lord speaks to us primarily through his scripture, uh, his word. And so if we're not loving him while we're reading the word, then we won't know him, you know, and that's the biggest thing is to read the word and to know the Lord. Um, and not necessarily for any, you know, achievement like, Oh, I read the whole Bible in Lent, you know, Oh, well, good. But Mm -hmm. did it affect you? (laughs) Um, and then to, um, not just to try and be scholarly about it because although, you know, knowledge of knowledge is good, and wisdom is is seeking the Lord and and um, trying to seek human excellence, but at the same time, if we miss that encounter with Christ, then the knowledge is useless. You know. 
I'm gonna have to think about what you just said for for a while today later in <laughs> prayer. Yeah, um, because it it is difficult, especially if our mind has a million things in it, um, and then to see like maybe the the little things in prayer that might be easy victories, like oh, I'll think about this kind of in an intellectual way and think through it. But the harder call, I guess the more substantive one is our Lord wants to really connect heart to heart through his word. And that call to prayer is, is, is that. And um, yeah, and I, I guess, you know, for, I hear from a lot of people, I know about you, but some people are intimidated by the Bible because they think by reading it, they won't understand it. But the way you just described it, it's, it's almost like the Lord knows our capabilities when we open the scriptures and he has something he wants to give us that he knows we can receive. Absolutely. I know Father Champagne has, has talked about it so much that like when the Lord said different phrases or words 2000 years ago when he was on the cross and he said, I thirst, you know, it was he thought of Brother Bernard in his head and said, Brother Bernard, I thirst for you. And this is what I intend for you to, to get when I said when you read this, like, you know, and that's for each person. It's not mm-hmm. just it's not just a general umbrella. It's that the Lord speaks to each individual heart um, through his word. And, um, and we're capable of receiving as long as we have that disposition of openness. And two, and I guess well, that's, Oh, go for sorry it. Sorry to cut you off. But, um, as well, um, the, the disposition of meditation is active. Like, so vocal prayer and meditation are active prayer. It's our part we play, you know, our striving to, to chew on the word or, or understand or to receive. But then that contemplation is that receptivity is it's, it's passive. So it's God working on us being able to have a, basically a better disposition to receive him, to hear him, and then to do. And so um, when we read scripture, um, we read scripture, we look at Jesus, what he did or what he taught. We look back at ourselves and then we make an adjustment. And so that's meditation where we can look at scripture. We see what Christ was doing, his virtue, uh, what he was trying to teach we look at ourselves and see how it correlates. If it doesn't, then we got to make an adjustment to what does uh, is Christ and what is his teaching. And then at that point, we're receptive. We, we take the grace and we ask God, give me that grace. And then now you give me the grace to move and, and go do what uh, what it is you're asking. And so I guess contemplative prayer is something we seek more than we can control. I mean, we can we can set up times in our day where we set aside for seeking the Lord in that way, but really he has to show up for contemplative prayer to work, right? Yeah, absolutely. So how do you do that? <laughs> how do you have God show up? Because um, and, and this kind of speaks to the, the challenge of prayer is that sometimes it can be dry. Sometimes it could be mm-hmm. awkward. Sometimes I don't really, you know, but sometimes God's very present. Um, so there's a certain wildness to prayer that we kind of have to give ourselves to, huh? Yeah, there's no, I mean, like there is a way to mess up, uh, prayer, but, um, (laughs) that's why I, when I spoke about spiritual direction as a means of discernment, um, to have a proper spiritual director who can make sure that you're sticking to a prayer regiment to help you find one and then to stick to it. So fidelity to prayer is one of the biggest things that uh, uh that is necessary i read just yesterday about sloth that um sloth isn't necessarily just laziness not doing anything but it's a uh, lack of desire of what god desires of you that there's uh, um there's the lord has a certain plan for you to be happy but i'm not willing to make the effort to 
fulfill myself, basically, it's just to follow Jesus. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that, but I want this. I want this to be my happiness. And I seek something less. And so that's that's sloth, is that we don't make the proper effort in the spiritual life to be what God wants us to be, but we're settled, we're, we're content with what I am without God almost. And, uh, and so um, for prayer, we have to continually seek what God wants, regardless of what we want. And so that's why it becomes dry. That's why um, the Desert Father said when it comes to sloth, you have to be um, fidelity to prayer and uh, to do it even though you don't want to. And, um, and to realize that it's pleasing the Lord because it's a work. It's, 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 it's strenuous. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a gift to God that he can use for a greater good. And so, um, so our prayer, our fidelity to prayer and our commitment to, um, seek, seek the, not our good, but union with God and the love of God alone. That's, that's where, uh, it's just a disposition of receiving. And that's where, um, that's where contemplation happens is that a disposition of receptivity and response. Um, because, uh, I know in, uh, Jordan Amon's book on, uh, spiritual theology, he says that, a that a, um, a, uh, contemplative is somebody who's in contemplative union always. And that just means that they're very, very, very attuned and responsive to the Holy Spirit. So that way, when mm. the Holy Spirit acts, they're right there acting with the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit says something, they're listening and they do. And so that's a contemplative, someone who's very, very attentive to the Holy Spirit's voice and, or the movements of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so to be in contemplation would be to just be a disposition, disposition of receptivity and then responding to God's grace. And the contemplative, we don't mean someone who has a unique vocation to go to a monastery or a convent. Um, I mean, every Christian is called to this type of prayer, right? Every Christian is called to the heights of perfection, meaning that they can they can achieve the height of uh, or the the highest form of prayer, which is this contemplative union, uh, that uh, this contemplative uh, disposition to be united to God. So every mm-hmm. every Christian, every lay person, every woman, man, child, like it's for everybody. And you mentioned uh, sloth not being necessarily laziness. That is so important. I think in this conversation about prayer, because I've met some people that work really, really hard. You know, they're not lazy at all. No one can accuse them of that. But like most of us, they'll say I should be praying more than I am. And so there's something, there's something to that difficulty of prayer that uh, causes us to lose heart or to give up or to give. And, and it's not because we're lazy, but there's something to that difficulty. Um, let's say that's someone's position going into Lent where they know that about themselves. You know, they think back, back over the past year and they're like, I don't really pray more than I did a year ago. And I know I should be praying more. Um, they're discouraged. How, how do you battle that type of sloth, that kind of um, distaste for the difficulty that you might have for prayer? Yeah. So, the difficult, well, there's a few things that came to mind, but one is that there can be, sloth can also be an activism, right? You're running from something. Like, I know God wants me to do this, or I feel um, an aversion to what he's calling me to, so I'm going to do this instead. Like, I'm going to get busy about this because I know it's a good, and therefore you're running from what God wants, and that's that's a form of sloth. So activism is 
one of the on the far spectrums of sloth as well uh, hmm. because virtues in the middle vices on each extreme and so um so there is a definitely a, a deadly form of activism that can that can set in where we get busy about things that god doesn't want us to be busy about um but then as well in prayer whenever uh someone wishes to pray more but they feel like they can't or they're stuck that's also another opportunity where a good either a spiritual brother or sister or a spiritual director comes in and gives an objective view of what you're called God's calling to you in that moment. So like a mom who has three kids under the age of 10 and a newborn infant, like she's not going to be able to commit that much time to prayer every day. Um, and therefore, even though she longs in her heart to pray more, which is a grace, um, she might not be able to sit down for 20 minutes and read scripture and meditate on it. And that's okay because her state in life doesn't allow her to. Um, and she needs to be, she might feel, you know, in her heart, wish longing for more, but she needs to be at peace and okay with that, you know? So there's definitely, um, one, somebody needs to look at their state in life and, and have an objective view from outside, whether or not, um, they are being lazy and not praying enough, uh, or running from prayer. Um, but then two, if, if you want to do a self-examination, I guess, about whether or not you're praying enough, just go ahead and write down, okay, I spend X amount of time preparing for work, or I spend X amount of time with my friends, or X amount of time on social media. And then if you put that like on a pie chart or whatever, but you map it out, your whole one day, how much time you spend in each place. And then if you spend an exorbitant amount of time on social media, well, then you realize, okay, that's where I'm attached. This is where I need to cut back in Lent, and I can take the extra time that I cut out of social media, and I can put it in prayer. Um, and hopefully, after doing that for the 40 days of Lent, you'll build a habit where your social media usage becomes less, and your prayer time becomes more. So uh, I would say map, mapping out uh, one's personal, one's daily schedule or daily daily life and where they put their time is a big asset. Wow. Man, brother, I wish we could talk a lot more. Maybe we'll do this again. <laughs> you just have, this has been so great be for me. God. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, appreciate your time. And again, remind us, how do we find the community of Jesus Crucified? You guys do so many great things. Uh, people need yeah, to know can, about it. So how can we find out? You can check us out on, uh, I think on Facebook, a lot of our of our apostolates is Fet de Ditesh, uh Facebook page. And then as well online at the, our website, uh, jesuscrucified.net. Jesuscrucified.net is our website. And uh, all our activities are should be on there. And uh, you can also reach out to us through the contact. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, Deacon. God bless.